season premiere of Hey Kids Comics. Second season, yes. We've just purely arbitrarily decided that episode 22 yeah. was the final episode of season one. The next one could be our third for all week. Yes, I, I don't know. I just liked the idea of having seasons. It's, it's good, yeah. And 22 episodes seems like a good number. But do podcasts have seasons? I suppose they could. There's nothing saying they can't. I don't think there's any oh, rules to podcasting, do, you know. Do they just stop when the people can't be bothered and then pick up again when they can? Yes, that, that seems to be the way of things. Fair enough. If this is our second season, do you think we're going to be like one of those series that, that come out the gate strong and then get worse as every season progresses? Oh, we're just going to come out the gate worse and just... <laughs> get even worse! <laughs> We have reached a level of mediocrity yeah. that we're happy with, and we're going to stay there. We may be happy with it, we don't care if the listeners are. We don't know if they're happy with it. Some of them must be. Or do you think we'll be one of those shows that gets better and better every season? Because let's face it, you know, we've, we've set the bar pretty low. Yeah, we're going to be the Highlander of TV shows. What? Podcasts. No, the High- well, Highlander started crap and got better, but then went crap again at the end. Well, minus the get crap out the end, maybe. Oh, do you think we're going to be like Veronica Mars, which had a fantastic first season, and then not as good other seasons because the story was over? I never had seasons. But they're not awful, don't get me wrong. But the first season was brilliant. Uh, it's very hard to we're, talk We're about. like a Babylon 5 where, okay, you may think it's good, but no one else but other thinks people it's think good. it sucks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to the point where people said their old shows were better. Probably. I was just going to get to the point where people says, I just wish the anime had started this in the first place. <laughs> I wish they would just stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. We have a forum. A forum? Did you know that we have a forum? I think you're part of this out of I was very excited about the forum. Yeah. We have to say thank you to Ken, thank uh, the Legion of Dudes. Thank so you, thank you, Ken. Ken. The Legion stop talking over me and say it properly. Thanks, Ken, at the Legion of Dudes. There you go. And we also have to say once again, thanks to Scott Gardner. Thanks, Scott. Because Scott set it up. Did I? Yes. He asked me, did we have a forum? I thought he was saying, do you have a forum so you can bugger off and go there instead of playing on ours? <laughs> but no, he was asking us, do we have a forum so that we could get one? 
Fair enough. I think that's fantastic. It's great. I am very excited. Our forum is at www.forumforgeeks, all one word, .com. And then if you scroll down, it's in alphabetical order, and Hey Kids Comics is on there. Two True Freaks is on there as well. An excellent podcast. I heartily recommend it. And Views from the Long Box is on there as well. Can you see anything from a long box? I think it's just a plate. If you like light dog, could you actually fit in a long Depends box? Depends how big the long box is and how small you are. I saw a big long box one time. It was like Bix or something. There was one all on the floor and I had a route through it. It's like, ooh, I love that comic. Ooh, I love that comic. <laughs> and it never oh, ended. No. And then this old guy turns around and he's like, excuse me, can I help you? And I'm like, whoa, that's my box you're stealing from. It's like, oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> Do you think the box just disappeared into a wormhole so that the it back end of it going. went on and on and on? Because we like to give the illusion that we plan this drivel, I mentioned Views from the Long Box, a magnificent podcast, by the way. Magnificent. Because we have had an email from Michael Bailey. Do you mind not scrooching your milk down my microphone? Sorry. An element of professionalism and decorum, please. <laughs> How are we supposed to maintain this image of British people being classy if you're gargling milk? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. I'm going to go scratch my balls now. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> or if you do, hopefully the cat will lunge at you. That would be funny. The reason I mentioned Views from the Long Box, other than it being an exceptionally good comic book podcast, one of my favourites, I think, have you quite finished? <laughs> good. Oh, we had a milk bar here, Malcolm McDowell. I'm good now. My fellow droogs. The reason we mention views from the long box, if we can, you know, steer this train back in the right direction, is that we've had feedback from Michael Bailey. Mike does... Oh, Mike does tons of podcasts. Does he? He does Comics Monthly Monday with the Two True Freaks, which is available at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. We're just turning into a massive whorehouse, aren't we? What's a Libsyn? I don't know, but it looks nice. Wait, we're turning into a whole house? Yes. Hells yeah. Uh, I'm getting a job. Oh, please. He does From Crisis to Crisis Superman podcast, available at www.fortressofbailytude.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, all one word. And he does Views from the Long Box at fortressofbailytude.com slash viewsfromthelongbox. Does does he ever, like, stop and eat? I would imagine he eats at some. Does he eat whilst recording? I've never heard him eat while recording. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Unlike you, <laughs> who gargles milk while we record and stuffs his face with biscuits. I'm very sorry, I'm hungry and thirsty. Yeah, you're always hungry and thirsty. I know. Anyway, Michael's email. My email? Michael, no, no Michael Bailey, not you. Oh, right. Actually, I was really impressed with this. Yeah. Because Michael is the only person who has actually got back to us on every episode. All of them. Oh, well, the ones that he'd listened to at the time that he wrote this email, which was the 22nd of May. Uh, at 23.44, my time. I don't know what time that was for us, because um, he's in America somewhere. Yes. He's in the South, I think he's in Georgia. Would it be like seven hours backwards? I have no idea what the difference, time difference is between here and Georgia. Fair anyway, episode one, Mike says, we seem to be of similar minds with small divergences here and there about secret origin. The biggest point we agree on is that Superman should not be treated like Spider-Man. I think we made that point last week in the Smallville show, didn't we? Maybe. That is Smallville's legacy going to be the Clark, the Peter Parkerification of Clark Kent? Yes, I Which, think we did. you know, one of the things. Uh, I fully agree with what Mike says here, that Superman should be inspirational. Uh, when he puts the costume on, it should mean something. I totally agree with that. Secret Origin and Earth 1 missed on that. Uh, I totally agree. He does say he thinks it kind of telling that you, Michael, not him, Michael. This right. could get confusing, couldn't it? Could we call him Michael 1 and Michael 2? Michael 1 and Michael 2. 
Yes. Uh, didn't care for the story when it's aimed at you, especially when you're a big fan of John's Jeff. Joff, John's Jeff? John's <laughs> Green like Lantern. Jeff. Um, what, what did you not like about Secret Origins specifically? Seeing as we did that way back in our premiere episode. Clark came off too whiny. Superman came off too whiny. Yeah, that's pretty good, Chris. It's like Superboy Prime. Uh, he fed back on episode two, which was our Batman episode. Mainly because we all talked about two Batman stories that bookend the before and after he regularly followed the character. He said he's seen the Batman special at conventions and never picked it up. He needs to. You need to, Michael. You need to pick up the player on the other side. Because it is a fantastic book. I, yes, I thought it was fantastic. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. You, you were just like, it's not Grant Morrison. That's not true at all. I like Batman that isn't written by Grant Morrison too. Occasionally. He said that, oddly enough, I may invest in the Morrison Batman run through trade. So you've actually managed to convince him to give them a look. Because I know that Michael isn't the biggest fan of Grant Morrison in the world. Yeah. Michael 1. All right. Not Michael 2. Why am I Michael 2? Do you want to be Michael 1? This may get more confusing. Let's yes. stick with what... My... Should, we, should we just call you MPL? Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, Michael's, Michael Bailey <laughs> says that he perked up a little when Michael, you, yeah. said something about being okay with a universe where Batman was the first hero and Superman the second. Why do you, why do you, where, why are you okay with that? I don't know. I guess I like it with Batman being around and just starting off when Superman crash lands. And it's like, he can't be around when Superman crash lands. Ooh, wait, the idea. Okay. He's alien, so he ages faster and he's like, hmm. I must investigate. That's a dumb idea. It'll be good. Well, Michael Bailey's theory was that you grew up with Batman the Animated Series and then Superman the Animated Series, and in that continuity, Batman was before Superman. So you're probably very accepting of the idea. Me and Michael Bailey, (laughs) this is getting confusing, are of the opinion that Superman should always be the first. But that's even screwed up in DC Comics now, isn't it? Because the Justice Society were the first. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, episode 3, he liked, but doesn't have anything to say about it. What did we do in episode, episode three? 3? Was that the Spider-Man one? Yes, it was. It was specific. Don't worry about it, Michael. We didn't even remember it. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sure it was highly... I'm sure I was particularly funny in that one. You, you were hilarious. I think so. Yeah. Yes. You, oh, those witty Bond moats that you script. Yeah. I was very impressed with them. Thank you. Okay. Episode four. He loved episode four, he said, because we play the There Might Be Giants song. He loves There Might Be Giants. Didn't I play There Might Be Giants? I think you picked the There Might Be Giants song from the album Miscellaneous Tea, which he considers to be a much underappreciated album. My favourite There Might Be Giants song is the one where they talk about being reincarnated as a bag of groceries on a supermarket shelf. I came back as a bag of groceries, that one. accidentally taken off the shelf before the expiration date. I came back as a bag of groceries, accidentally taken off the shelf before the day stamped on my sound. Did a large procession wave their torches as my hand fell Procrastinate again I'll never 
never see myself in the mirror with my eyes closed I didn't apologize for when I was eight And I made my younger brother have to be my personal slave Did a large procession wave their torches as my head fell in the basket And was everybody dancing on the Accidentally taken off the shelf before the date stamped on my sand. Did a large procession wave their torches as my head fell in the basket? And was everybody dancing on the casket? Now it's over, I'm dead, and I haven't done anything that I want. Or I'm still alive, and there's nothing I want to do. Okay. I can't remember what album it's on, but that's a pretty damn funny song. Yeah. There Might Be Giants are pretty good. Not to everyone's taste, I think it's fair to say. Well. But if you like quirky pop music, I would heartily recommend them. Oh, man. He is slightly more of a Kirby guy than a Ditko guy, except when it comes to Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. I just like Ditko. I just like his... I like the weirdness of his art, the strangeness of it. I prefer Kirby. Do you? Are you more of a Jack Kirby I'm not fiend? really a fan of a Dick Kirby. Are you not really a fan of a Dick <laughs> One would hope not, otherwise your I'm girlfriend not, may complain. I'm not really a Kirby fan, but I prefer him than Dicko. I appreciate his place in the comic book firmament, hmm. but I have to confess, other than when Joe Sinnott was inking him, I was not really a big fan of Jack Kirby, so which I know like, is comic book heresy. He's like the Fleetwood Mac of comic artists. Yeah, you recognise his place in, in, the, in the universe and acknowledge that he was great, but maybe just not for me. Excellent. Cool. I quite like your Fleetwood Mac analogy. Episode 5, he liked the death of high cost of living episode. One of his sisters, Jane, apparently picked on him no end for reading comics when he was a kid, but loved Sandman. Okay. Which I think goes to show Sandman's universal appeal. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to read this next bit in full. In full. In full. Right. This is Michael now, so this is quotation. Michael Bailey, not Right, okay, yeah. Okay. For the longest time, I had a problem with Vertigo that had little to do with the quality of the product. I'm with you, Andrew. See, he agrees with me. So he's obviously a man of quality distinct and distinct taste. He must be, yeah. I think so. Agreeing with you. Yes. The scratchy art drives me up the freaking wall. Other than that, I could really get behind the books if it wasn't for that period, I call it the mid to late 90s, where I had to put up with a bunch of pretentious comic fans that would look down on me for reading superhero books while they were in Sandman or Books of Magic. I hope you don't take offence to this since you mentioned only reading Vertigo for a time, but it's pretty frustrating because, well, those people pissed me off. 
This didn't stop me from reading the Vertigo from time to time. I rather liked Books of Magic, one of the few comics my wife reads, and several other Vertigo books, so it didn't keep me from hating the line out of spite, but still annoying. I have to agree with him 100% though. There was a time, yes, there was a lot of people like that. There was a lot of, of, I don't want to say pretentious, but there were a lot of people at that time who... Because I love some Spider-Man, and I love some Superman, but I was digging on Preacher, and I love Sandman, and I liked Death, and Hellblazer. And there were a fringe of comic book fans who were like, why are you reading that when you could be reading Peter Milligan's Enigma? And I read... Stripey top Yes. And it was very annoying. It's like, I'll read what the hell I want to like. If I want to read Peter Milligan's Enigma, which was very good, Duncan Fregrado did the art, but I also want to read action comics... I'll bloody well read Enigma and Action Comics, and you're not going to tell me what I can and can't read. And, yeah, the artwork at that time was a bit cack. Like, for every Chris Bacalo or Steve Dillon or Duncan Fregredo, you had people drawing stick figures and passing it off as art. Okay. And, and Ted McKeever. I'm just not down with Ted McKeever's art stuff. I can't remember. Fair enough. But it was probably wasn't very good. I quite like Um, So no, Mike, I do not take offence to that at all. I agree with you 100% on that. The only time I've actually liked Vertigo was 90s. I can't say we've really, other than Why the Last Man and Transmetropolitan, we've not read a lot of Vertigo recently. We keep hearing good things about American Vampire. Yeah, same. But I haven't read it. The bookend titles really were Hellblazer and Sandman before Vertical started, and then Why the Last Man. Because I did try Swamp Thing when it became a Vertical title, and hated it. And I tried... When Alan Moore was still on it? No, I don't think Animal Moore. I don't think Animal... Oh, for God. I don't think Alan Moore was on it when I tried to read it. And I didn't like Animal Man after Grant Morrison left. No, when they did him into a meat eater and killed him off and such. Yeah, so I'm trying to think, other than why The Last Man, I don't think we've read a Vertigo book for a long time, have we? No. We may give American Vampire a go. Okay. Preacher. Michael loves Preacher. Everybody loves Preacher, okay. I think. I agree wholeheartedly with him. Now. This bit in full as well. Alright. It's odd that Root Jr. He liked your Root Jr. gag. Did it? Yeah, it's very funny. Well, thank you. Still makes me smile. Uh, was 18 the year Kurt Cobain killed himself, because so was he, Michael, not me, and remembers hearing the news vividly. He'd driven to pick up his sister from college, and someone in her dorm had said Cobain had done himself in, and I, he remembers feeling absolutely nothing, because he'd never been a fan of Nirvana. He didn't hate the music, and he realises its place in music history, but he's just not a fan. It was weird being one of the few people at my school not wigging out. Now, that's kind of the complete opposite of us, because okay. I was quite a big fan of Nirvana. Because I always like jingly jangly guitar music. Jingly jangly. Yes. And Nirvana were very much like Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man. Technically quite sloppy. But such a slap in the face compared to what what else was going on at the time. It were music at the time in the 90s. Nirvana were a big slap up there. Because there was Genesis and Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses. And there's nothing wrong with any of those bands in moderation but there were this big band stadium rock with 48 minute guitar solos and lots of poncy Axl Rose-esque lead singers who loved themselves more than they could ever love a woman Um, and Cobain and Nirvana changed all of that Um, I mean I get what he's saying if you don't if you don't feel it you don't feel it but I actually got a phone call from Phil on the night Kerbone died 
we'd just been the pub we'd just got home from the pub we'd got in that 94 mil and I'm like what are you phoning my Phil I've just spent the past two hours with you in the pub said, have you seen the news Kurt Cobain's dead and so it, that was quite a big deal for us but you know I get that maybe not for everybody episode 8 because episode 7 wouldn't play oh I hope he's fixed that was episode 7 oh doesn't he say at the beginning of the email that he has now got it to play yeah that was the one I did I edited that one the trans metropolitan one that's why it don't work oh (laughs) because you did it (laughs) yes I don't remember I'm sure it was very entertaining Uh, he really needs to start picking up the Hellblazer trade so do I what would you recommend because other than the Garth Uh, Ennis run I can honestly say I've not been dead impressed by Hellblazer I'm gonna try and pick him up now because he republished all of the run in chronological order Right. So the first one, they've only released one now, but it's got a new cover by Jim Lee. Jim Lee's done Hellblazer. He's done a, the cover anyway. That's pretty but cool. It actually. starts off with the first seven issues, and then it's his appearances in uh, other stuff. Animal Man. So it's in chronological order of right. him. Well, you're probably. But, I mean, Warren Ellis's run was fine. Um, but I remember I not know. being overly enamoured with Paul Jenkins's run. And but I've only read um, Ennis. Uh, yeah. yeah. I recommend Garth Ennis' stuff. What do you think of Constantine being back in the DC Universe? Or do you just not have an opinion on that? I'm not sure, really. You're not sure until it happens? No. As long as he stays away from superheroes, it should be cool. Right. Michael does think our accents are cool. Are they? Yeah. Okay. I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> our accents are exceptionally cool. <laughs> More comments to come, I am sure. Yes, do. More comments, more feedback. We love feedback from people. And as if to emphasise that point, we've received another email. Yeah? Yes, from Luke Giaconetta. Hi, Luke. Hey, Luke. Luke says, hey, dudes. Hey, dude. I love people that say dudes, especially Americans. Americans pull off dudes. We just sound stupid. When we say dudes. I say it all the time. You're only telling me now I sound stupid. Yeah, you're 15. You can get away with stuff like that. Oh, cool. I'm British and middle class and white boy. I can't get away with calling somebody a dude. Americans can get away with it. We can't. Mm. Thought you might be interested to know that Eunice would get his powers back. Who's Eunice? Eunice the Untouchable from the Marvel fan we did two weeks ago. Oh, right. At the end of it, I said, I don't know if Eunice gets his powers back. Well, Luke is in for... This is when we love feedback. Yes. Oh, we don't know what we're on about. <laughs> Which is frequently. <laughs> but turn to really basic petty crimes like holding up diners. What a waste of Eunice's power. I wonder if he held it up literally with his force field. Oh. That'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? Uh, he tangled with Power Man and Iron Fist in New York where he was beaten when Power Man picked Eunice up by his force field which caused him to drop it. Whereupon Iron Fist then clobbers him in the face and knocks him out. Yeah. Makes sense. Not particularly. No. Eunice also has several kids running around, including Radius and Flex from the second volume of Alpha Flight. I did not know any of that. Does he have a Flex Mentalo as well? I don't know. It seems very strange to me that Eunice... How could Eunice actually get close enough to somebody to, you know... I wouldn't be surprised if Marvel had actually explained how that could happen <laughs> nowadays. Anyway. With the thing. Yes. Thank you very much, Luke. I'm going to throw out another plug for Luke's um, podcast, which is Earth's Destructive Directive, which is all about um, monster movies. Monster movies. Japanese monster movies. Okay. Check it out, people. Can't be enough podcasts in the world. That's feedback. And we haven't even started yet. And we haven't even started yet. We may play a tune here. The earth stood still, but he 
told us where we stand And Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear Claude Rains was the invisible man Then something went wrong for Fay Ray and King Kong They got caught in a celluloid jam Then at a deadly pace It came from outer space And this is how the message ran Oh, 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 to the late night. 
night Double feature picture that lovely little musical interlude of which we haven't yet decided what it is we may put some music from Alien or Aliens in given that this is a sci-fi boot that we're about to look at mm. uh, as we mentioned a couple of years ago before we were derailed by our season finale and our talk of Action Comics 900 what do you mean a couple of years ago? weeks ago <laughs> it just seems like years yeah. do you know I've worked enough hours this week to have tomorrow off have you? yes don't you do that anyway? Apparently, so you've been waking up at like yes, six o'clock. Yes, yes, and killing, not being home till seven. Yeah, you've been killing my plan all week. I've been killing me. I've, I've noticed you playing the PlayStation every morning. And every morning I'm up at five just to annoy you. <laughs> anyway, so we've both picked a random comic book each this week. My choice. We decided we go for something a bit off kilter. Was my personal opinion. My choice, therefore, is Critical Error. A slice of grungy science fiction from artist-writer John Byrne. Originally published in black and white in The Art of John Byrne in 1980, this was dusted off, coloured with the female full frontal nudity obscured, and released by Dark Horse Comics in July of 1992. The cover, by Byrne, a topless brunette with her back to us, startles a white-haired dude, and then I went ahead and said dude anyway, (laughs) uh, in an Eden-like environment. Um, I think it's a good cover. Um, there's not much of a clue what's going on, but, you know, naked woman. So, you'd well, pick this up, wouldn't you? Maybe if the roles were reversed a bit. What, if you saw what he was seeing? Yeah. Uh, well, you'd pretty much do in the book. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the cover, Michael? Don't really strike out much. It looks like the other side of the cover to Babe. <laughs> yes, well, your sister loves Babe. I've never read it. Have you not? I've read Next Men, and I think it's the only John Byrne title I've actually enjoyed. Really? That he's written and done the art for you. You don't like Superman? I don't think much of it, really. Did you not? Man of Steel? Oh, really? Oh. Maybe it was just because I was too young to remember, really. Maybe we should cover Man of Steel one day. Maybe. That would be a good idea. It would be. Fantastic Four? Alpha Flight? Do you not like Alpha Flight? The Canadian dude. Yeah? Oh, man, he's running Alpha Flight. He's gold. Oddly, he hates it. He really doesn't like his running Alpha Flight at all. He thinks it's some of his worst work. And yet there's a loyal cadre of readers like me who think it's some of the best stuff he ever did did he write it as well yeah oh, it was great Alpha Flight pretty crap after he left fair enough but you know well, whatever Alpha Flight like crap anyway no I quite liked I liked Puck I did like <laughs> sure you do he, he was a character he's named after a character in a Shakespeare play oh so. Puck oh is he the dude who's the son yes he could also be named after that funny little thing that gets kicked around an ice hockey court isn't it Robin Goodfellow no Puck's not going to be in Sandman Oh yes, they did. They did admit someone night stream in Sandman, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yes. Anyway, the story of Critical Error. Is there much of a story to it? Really? Yes, there is. It's well, quite an in-depth story, I think. A rocket ship is crashed into the Earth, leaving a huge gash in the floor. A man, somehow thrown from the wreckage, opens his eyes. He stands up. He's wearing a clunky but obviously futuristic spacesuit, and judging by the landscape, he's not on Earth. He's not wearing a helmet, so it obviously has a breathable atmosphere. He ventures back, what? You're what? Good. Yes, it does, actually. Blimey, we've inadvertently hit our theme. Yeah. Inadvertently. But still, we have to. From chaos comes order. Indeed. Excellent. Um, He ventures back into the crash ship to discover his two co-pilots dead and the food contaminated. 
He buries his fallen comrades and sets up a homing beacon and waits for rescue. He waits for some considerable time, judging by the changes in the landscape, but eventually decides that this is getting him nowhere. He heads back to the ship, gathers up some supplies and a set of binoculars and scans the horizon. He spots an unusual looking dome some distance away and, having never seen Logan's run, decides he has nothing to lose and sets off. It takes him a while to get there, but when he does, the dome has an entranceway and he ventures forth. He takes off the spacesuit, the spacesuit, he takes off the spacesuit once inside after ascertaining that it is nice and warm and with a breathable atmosphere. Further exploration reveals a veritable Eden filled with waterfalls, plant life, birds, etc. All looks perfect until we see a shadowy figure watching. Our protagonist continues to explore and spots some small footprints. They lead to bigger footprints, but Astro Man is distracted from his find by, depending on which version of the story you're reading, a naked woman or an almost naked woman. Given that he's clearly 40-odd and she's burly legal, the old dude seems quite taken with her. The feelings seem reciprocated as she touches him, fascinated by his facial hair, and she leads him to a stone cave with a small bed in it. She gestures for him to stay here, and he tries to lift one of the rocks that the edifice is made from, but it is far too heavy. Left wondering how this slip of a girl built the structure, he rests and she brings him some food. As he eats, the girl points to his weapon. <laughs> Not so she like him and that. To his weapon, eh? And he takes it out. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> and does the old gunslinger trick where he spins the blaster on his finger. He shoots a rock and some plants, and the girl is giddy with delight until he shoots a bird. Horrified by his cavalier disregard for life, the girl runs off, leaving Astro Man alone and confused. He finds her sobbing, and an attempt to cheer her up works, but not in the way Astro Man intended, when he falls into the water. Noob. He removes his clothes, and the girl dives in with him. Of course, you can see where this is going. Always quote Buffy when you can. Didn't we quote it like last week too? Well, that same that one. Exact same one. Oh man, that's just lame. Yeah. We need to think of other quotes. We do. We need to steal other quotes <laughs> from Joss Whedon and pass them off as our own wits. <laughs> Time passes. The man wakes up, but the girl is gone. He heads toward the interior of the ship, down the tunnels, where he sees a giant robot. The robot. He freaks the robot. <laughs> he freaks out and runs. The girl runs after him, but the man believes the girl to be the big robot. I thought that too. Freaky. He heads to the airlock just as a rescue ship arrives. How convenient! Yeah. He tries to tell the rescuers of the robot, and as the girl races for him, they blast off, leaving her alone in the dirt. She is approached by a giant robot who reaches down to touch her gently. We cut to an epilogue sometime later, and in a seedy bar, Astroman drinks his sorrows, whilst, in an Eden-like environment, the young girl bathes a small boy, whilst a robot babysitter looks on. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Dude, 
Well, not moving. <laughs> I was just. Yeah. Oh right, I thought we were actually going to the Twilight Zone. No, no. It's like, oh yeah. No, Last time I went there, I got dropped out of an elevator. <laughs> first on this one seeing as I read the synopsis yeah alright okay um, I'm digging the groovy planets on page 2 I, 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 I could not agree more in fact one of my first notes on that Burns alien landscapes on page 2 are a fantastic scene setter um, what do you, which did you read the black and white one or the colour one I read this colour one did you because mm. it's really weird that it, the colouring's really quite good but there are some pages where the black and white one the art's clearer and then yeah. there's other pages where the colour, the art's clearer. So I, I noticed it was a bit off in the colour sometimes as well. It's a bit fun. It's a bit what's it? Into? Mm. Bit of a mixed bag in terms of the colouring. Um, I also like how he finds the dead body upside down in the chair. See if you look there, it's upside down. Yeah, well, there is no up or down in space, so there's no indication of how the ship has landed, is there? Yeah. I mean, it could be on its roof for all we know. I mean, if you look at page one, we just see the wreckage of it. There's no indication though which way up it should so, be. Was he inside? I presume so. I mean, that's why I said in the synopsis, somehow he's managed to get out. Now, whether or not he survived the crash and bailed out, or whether... Because well, there's no parachute. Yeah, so he must have survived the crash and got out and passed out or something. Maybe he banged his head, I don't know. I also like that when he goes on his little trek, he stumbles and, like, sits down. He's on that next page, I think. Page five. Yeah, when he just like sits down and then he stumbles. Yeah, he falls over. Well, I got that he was just so tired. Yeah. I got that he. I mean, the the implication on page six is obviously that he's walked for some considerable time and therefore needs a rest. Because um, I think at this point we do need to mention to people who have never read this story that it is told entirely without words. Hmm. Uh, a nifty little storytelling device that I think's done all too rarely in comics. You'd think a visual medium like this would do it more often. Yeah. But as Byrne mentions in the text piece at the end, it's very hard to show the passage of time when you can't use words. I read that. You can say meanwhile or later. But yeah. here he had to spend like eight panels showing, the showing that time. time has passed. I mean, TV's done this quite a lot. Buffy the Vampire Slayer did Hush. Yeah. Space Above and Beyond did Who Monsters the Birds, which was a great episode. Space, seen it. Space Above and Beyond was a science fiction uh, military show in the mid 90s. I don't, I don't have it anymore, do I? No. I like Space Above and Beyond. No, it was good. Was it? I like Space Above and Beyond, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I just had a crush on Kristen Cloak. The girl that was in it. Anyway, um, there wasn't there a silent episode of Twilight Zone as well. Or a near silent episode of the Twilight Zone. Probably. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen the Twilight Zone. Um, on page nine, panel six, that giant robot thing that watches him looks like Darkseid. He does, he does. Um, yes, yes, he does look like Darkseid in that panel. Um, and also, the uh, naked woman. She's not naked in the colour one. Okay, semi-naked. Not only does she point towards his gun, but she's also holding on to a big, hard wooden staff. You're just <laughs> so, so wrong. 
I like that you wrote giggle in your notes. <laughs> <laughs> was that a cue to laugh here? <laughs> no, I knew I was going to laugh. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and it's like... Um, Got what? <laughs> well, he certainly has now. Yeah. When he's like, he goes in a swim, and he's just like, hey, naked woman I've just met, let's swim naked together. But, oh, now let's have sex. You know, sex with you, the woman I just met, like, five minutes ago. Who's clearly 30 years younger than him. Maybe he has seen Logan's role. Maybe. Because that it worked for Logan, didn't it? I love that. Let's have sex. I've <laughs> <laughs> just met Jenny Agatha. Take your clothes off. Let's do each other. I'm Jenny Agatha. You don't have to tell me to take my clothes off. No, I just will. <laughs> in every film I've ever been in, I will remove my clothes. Seen that. Seen that. <laughs> Seen them. <laughs> Go on. Um, page 21, panel 4. The dark side is not big, and not only that, the woman's a big dark side. Did, so did you think he was thinking that the woman was the robot? Yeah. Or in the robot, as Kenny Baker would say. I was inside the robot. Yeah, so okay. that's what Fair I enough. Um, but then she turns out not to be. No, the robot's just a big babysitter for her. But why, why did... So she's a kid being babysitted by a robot. Well, she's not a kid. I mean, we've no indication of how old she is. She could conceivably only be 15 years old. Yeah. Because, let's be honest, if we have a, a look at uh, specifically page 12, panel 1, she's very pert. Mm. So she's not that old. So he could not... He could. I mean, it, I've said in the notes, burly legal. She may not be legal. For all we know. Yeah. That's, I mean, this guy could, you know, that's why he's sitting in seedy bars. <laughs> he finds out what's happened here, they're banging him in jail. So the epilogue is also spelt wrong, isn't it? I think it's spelt in a specific way. The, I think that's a, an affectation. Epilogue. Yes. Because okay. it's not the American way of spelling it. The Americans do spell it the same way we do, don't they? E-P-I-L-O-G-U-E. Mm. So I, don't, and I think there is a reason for it to be spelt like that and I don't know what it is I may look it up fair enough right and did she like only want a friend or something at the end well she ended up with a kid well yeah so uh, well, can't what? be friends with your kids that's just a ridiculous concept <laughs> well what's the thing with the robot as well and the kid and what, what? I don't it's ambiguous okay we don't know we don't really need to know do uh-huh. it whether the robot found her as a baby and has raised her as his own, or whether she's actually really intelligent and built the robot herself, and why are they the only people on that planet? Where did they come from? They killed everyone She must else. have come from somewhere. They killed them all. That's very possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because she's obviously never seen a man before. No. Because she was like, oh, oh, you have beard. Did you they all do that? Yes. That's what they did in Logan's Run Yeah, well. well, you know, Logan's Run. Got a lot of time for Logan's Run. Any yeah. film where Jenny Agatha takes her clothes off, really. I've only seen that once, you know. Have you? Logan's Run, yeah. Yeah, watch it again. Okay. And then, if you like what you see, watch American Wolf in London. I've seen that. And if you like what you see, watch um, um, Walkabout. I've not seen that. She just walks across the Australian outback for an entire film, barely worrying anything. Fair and frequently not worrying anything. Fair enough. You'd like that. We should <laughs> call this the nudity episode. In fact, there you go, there's our season premiere hook. We're naked. No, we're not. I may be. No, 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 stop it. You're sweating all over that chair. For all the listeners, may know. Yeah, no. balls out right That's now. That's just wrong. Carry on. Um, right. I also have a thing with this. Um, I was reading the back bit, which yes. he wrote, and then I went to Luke in the Art of John Byrne, where it's also in that. Yes. And why can you not have full nudity in comics? Why did he have to change it? 
Um, well, he doesn't. He didn't have to. Uh, it basically says in the text page at the back, uh, top half nudity is apparently more or less okay. Bottom half nudity, at least from the front, suddenly puts it into the porn category, apparently. Oh, Even though there's, there is no pornography in this book at all. I mean, I suppose it depends on your point of view. I mean, there's nothing in this that you wouldn't see every week on Spartacus. Mm. In fact, you see a lot more than this on Spartacus. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I certainly didn't see the need for the art change. But he's actually changed the art, the original art. Has it? Yeah, so if you buy a piece of original art from this book, it's now she's now got the loincloth on. Sure. So the only place to actually see it as it originally appeared is in The Art of John Byrne, which I have in my hand right here, where it's presented in all its full frontal nudity glory. If that's what turns you on, it's still just lines on a page, dude. Lines on a page. Page five, panel three, the shot through the binoculars. Very reminiscent of Scott of Scott's of Luke's macro binoculars in Star Wars. Yeah, I you know think. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this that's very what's it. I mean, he does say in the text page at the back he was influenced by Astil from Alien, so he'd never actually seen the film mm. when he drew this. But it could fit into the Alien verse, couldn't it? This idea of truckers in space is essentially yeah. what they are, and the landscape and the technology in it does seem very alien. But uh, I liked it. I thought it was quite good. Um, I do love the whimsy on page eight, panel five, of when he takes his, um, his space suit off. He sets it up as if somebody's fallen asleep in it. Oh, yeah. That's quite whimsical. I quite like that. Page eleven, full page, full frontal shot of a pretty lady, except she's suddenly grown a loincloth in the dark horse version. She's grown. Uh, page twenty-three. Uh, did you notice this? It was your mum that noticed this, not me. Astro Man is rescued by Thomas Magnum and TC. As <laughs> <laughs> Tom Zellick and Roger E. Mosley in another life were pilots of some spaceship. I quite like that. I thought that was quite fun. Uh, the text piece by Byrne, which is at the back of the book, yeah, I think should have been at the front of the book. Because in the last paragraph... He says, as a wise man said, enjoy, but you've read it. Now, if that had been at the front of the book, that yeah. would have made much more sense. But, you know, that's just me. Um, there's, some, there's some quite good stuff in this. There's some good adverts for Sin City, The Mask Returns, and Dark Horse Comic Presents. There's um, Dark Horse's version of Bullpin Bulletins and whatever the hell DC had at the time. Would it have still been, you know, it would have been Dick Giordano's Meanwhile column at this point. Um, called the finish line where you see that at this point Dark Horse was very much like IDW is now, IDW is another comic company in that it's just tons of licensed books isn't it? Yeah. This month alone there's a Robocop book, Star Wars book Terminator, Alien, Robocop versus Terminator, Indiana Jones James Bond, Predator Godzilla and a book based on The Thing Haven't they already done it Terminator versus Robocop the Frank Miller one, isn't it? Yeah, that will have been that. Remember, this was published in 1992. So what's the one this month, then? Is there another Robocop vs. Terminator? Wait, no, were you just on about this month as in when this No, I'm on about the month that this comic came out. Oh, right. Back in 1992. I meant this Nearly month. 20 years ago. Right, okay. Yes, I, I didn't know. They may have done a, another 
What's his name? I don't know. Another Aliens versus Robocop versus Predator versus Batman versus. They don't have plenty of Howard Batman the Duck versus Predators. Versus Freddy Tubbies. Versus, versus Freddy. Ash. Versus Ash. Versus Xena. <laughs> I don't know. Versus um, zombies. The cave of the astronaut enters on page. Well, you get your best look at it when he first enters panel three on page nine. It looks very like the Genesis cave from Star Trek 2. Mm-hmm. You know what I think? Yes. Can I cook or can't I? Oh, no, I just thought that was is. Yes, I'm very sorry about it. God! Yes. I have to do it too. It's just. It's, it's just. It's the way of things. Yeah. Um, I really dug on this. Like I've said, I think the issue could really fit into the alien universe. The ships are clunky and grungy. The suit's functional but bulky, and the technology not too Star Trek clean. Yet it's not Star Wars. It's it's a nice amalgam. Uh, I really would have liked to have seen John Byrne do more stories in this milieu. Um, I used to love Byrne. I, I, he was one of the first writer, artist, whatever you want to call it, who I followed from book to book, and frequently would drop the book when he left. I still think he's a great artist. Have you seen some of his recent commissions on his website? No. Some of his commissions are fantastic. Um, But he's made it clear he's got no interest in working for Marvel and DC under the current editor-in-chiefs. And I'd have no problem with that if he did more work like this. Why? What's he doing now? Well, he's he's doing a lot of licensed stuff for IDW. He's doing a Star Trek book and an Angel book and a Jurassic Park book. And I'm made up that he's brought back Next Men. And what I've read of his licensed stuff is very entertaining. I think I've read his assignment Earth Star Trek book. Yes, I did, because I got that for three quid, didn't I? Yeah. All five issues for three quid at Comic Mart. And I've read his Angel vs. Frankenstein stuff, which, again, I got for 50p yeah. in the comic bins. But um, if Marvel and DC aren't interested in his superhero stuff, why is he not just doing more creator-owned stuff for IDW? The guy's super talented. It did, at Dark Horse, he seemed to be going down that creator own path he did John Burns next man and he did this and Babe and Danger Unlimited yeah which was quite good have you ever read Danger Unlimited no just next man no it was good Danger Unlimited I liked it it lasted four issues before it got canned I thought he was going to do what Frank Miller did and do more of his own stuff with occasional trips back to the superhero stuff and some of that was good his run on Neymar was great but I just think a lot of it's just a waste of his, his talent he did more warmed over Jack Kirby stuff yeah like Jack Kirby's Fourth World and Demon was Demon any good? it was yeah it was okay it was fine and some of the art was pretty but you know he made a he did another stab at the dead horse that is Doom Patrol mm. oh my god if, if a book like The Legion and Doom Patrol those two books that DC really should let die I like Doom Patrol <sighs> the, what the burn one? I've not read the Burn one, no. Yeah. So like, you like the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol? No, I just like Doom Patrol. Yeah. It's like the, the Brave and the Bold episode. Have you seen that? No, the I've not seen the Brave and the Bold the, episode. The Brave and the Bold Patrol. Doom Patrol is really quite good. Yeah. Even Adam liked that one. See, I just think the Doom Patrol are just are they four-time losers at this point. How many times has the boot been cancelled? I don't know, quite I a bit. Just, just let it die. They, they die at the end of Brave and the Bold. Oh, well, I don't need to watch it now then, do I? Nah. Thanks for that. But when it's called The Last Patrol... There was an episode of Battlestar Galactica called The Last Patrol. It didn't have Doom Patrol in it. No, but Doom Pacific, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, at Marvel, he went back to the X-Men to fill in gaps in continuity that, by and large, very few people cared about. Stealth rebooted Spider-Man with Chapter 1, a series that was largely ignored by Marvel and Spider-Man purists. I don't want Burn doing stuff like that. If he's not going to do 
you know, proper superhero, Fantastic Four, Superman stuff. Why not do more sci-fi stuff like this? Yeah. Why not just why carry on doing Angel and Jurassic Park and I don't know. Maybe they pay the bills. What do I know? Hey kids, comics. We'll return after these messages and station identification. My name is Michael Bailey. And I am Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman wait, wait, from... Wait, 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 I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle-scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number one in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world and when these comics were published and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and Beyond. And write into the show at FromCrisisToCrisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air. Eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang.
Geeks Monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Uh, we will have another tune, probably something skiffy, and then we will be back with Michael's pick. If right. I don't know, because I've already read it and wrote notes about it. Well, let's pretend you don't know, right? Okay, what did you pick, Michael? I picked Iron Man and Thor from Free Comic Book Day 2010. Really? Yeah. Gosh. I know. What an inspired choice. Yeah. I would not have seen that coming. Would you not? I was thoroughly expecting another Graham Morrison book. Well, <laughs> I did go up to my room. And, and considered like, getting Batman R.I.P. out, I did you? I stood there thinking, I could go with, I don't know, the filth? Doom Patrol? All-Star Superman? One... Wait a minute. You should have gone for one of the weirder issues of Doom Patrol so I could just sit there going, This makes no sense! <laughs> I was genuinely... My brain hurts! <laughs> I read one the other day. It was pretty much, what if... The street the, that ate Paris. The robot dude was not a robot, but was actually a robot, but didn't know he was a robot until he found out that he was a robot. But turns out, he wasn't a robot. He was in a dream where he was a robot. Excellent. <laughs> it was messed up. Yeah. That by Sean Phillips was quite nice, though. Sean Phillips is a lovely guy. He is, actually. Yes, we've met him. We have. Carry on with your right. free comic book day. So you've gone conventional route, really, by being unconventional. Yeah, there's paint. There's paint on my comic. You've gone conventional. Yes, there's paint on your free comic. You've gone for a conventional superhero book. Oh, okay. Whereas yeah. I went for a wacky sci-fi one-shot. Yeah, probably. Okay, carry on. So anyway, as I said, it was free comic book released as part of Free Comic Book Day. Indeed. Uh, 2010. And just like a few other comics that year, this was smaller than usual comics. Yeah, why is that? Um, I don't know, but I've got another few like this as well. Mm, okay. They were the normal size this year. Uh, yeah. Um, it was written by Matt Fraction, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Klaus Janssen, and edited by Ralph Mac. Machio. 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 Not the Karate Kid. No. He is so bored of that joke by now, isn't he? Is he? I would imagine so. Yeah. I bet he's been called Not the Karate Kid since 1984. 
Um, and Alejandro Abona. Alejandro Abona! Yeah. Uh, fun fact for all you. Uh, I got this signed by John Romita Jr. himself, you know, instead of a fake John Romita Jr. John Romita Jr. that's wandering around. Curse him! <laughs> uh, at Thought Bubble last year, which was 2010, yes. along with my ACDC Iron Man 2 uh, and Eternal Sardback. And he autographed my Amazing Spider Man 600. But we were really annoyed, weren't we? That they could. Yeah, we were the, queuing up yeah. for John Jr. to do a sketch. He was doing sketches for five pounds. Five whole pounds. Which is dirt cheap, let's be honest. And he was giving all the money to charity. And they cut the line off for sketches. Two people in front of us, or one More person or less, in front yeah. of us. God, that was annoying. And we begged and pleaded with the guy, go on, just behind us. This is the only reason we've come here, is to see John Romita Jr. Because we weren't going to go, were we? Because no. we'd been to Bix. And that was fine, and you know, who was there that year? Brian Hitch was there, wasn't he? Yeah, that was And we were happy with that. Uh, but when we saw John Jr. was going to be at Thought Bubble, we thought, screw it, we're never going to see him again. Sure. And we went to Thought Bubble, and you know, no sketch. I was quite upset about that. Yeah. I had it all planned as well, didn't I? Yeah. Spider Man in the rain, I was going to get. I was going to go for Superman, which I came up with in the queue. Yeah. That, well, that would have been quite good Superman he's, off yeah, he's never drawn Superman, as far as I know. Yeah. Professionally. Maybe he's doodled him. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Good choice. Carry on. Yes. Uh, the cover to this is not a cover that leaps in your face. Kind of actually does, actually. Uh, kind of actually does, actually. Yes. Actually. actually. I think you'll find actually. Well, actually. Actually. Uh, as Love actually. Thor and Iron Man fly at the reader. Uh, Iron Man's taking up the most room with it. Did he have a film at that, did he? Yeah, I think he did, actually. <laughs> Was this when Iron Man 2 came out? Yeah. Iron Man 2 only been out a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've still not seen Iron Man 2. No, we've not. Uh, it's an adequate cover for a free comic book giveaway, I suppose. It's cool that it's autographed by John Jr. Yeah. I'm quite impressed by that. Just look at it there. Yeah. yeah. yeah plenty of room for him to autograph. It was. Because there was no sticker. On a beach in Thailand, Thor saves a beach from a tidal wave. He witnesses a huge snowstorm in Cairo and stands in Greece, or Washington maybe, as frogs fall on him. Why do you think it's Greece or Washington? Because, right? Yeah. You look at the style of the building, and it, it's like Greece. It could oh. be where Abraham Lincoln lives. Yeah. So that's my. Uh, right, okay, my... fair enough. I say lives. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a statue of him sitting in Captain Kirk's chair, isn't it? Captain Kirk's chair? He's so sat in Captain Kirk's chair. Yeah. That's a true story, that. The Captain Kirk's chair was based on what Abraham Lincoln is sitting in. Okay. In that statue. I did not know that. There you go. You look the amount of mindless trivia I know. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know anything useful. No, it's just... Just tripe! <laughs> Carry on! He fails to save a town from these natural disasters, but manages to build a wall around the town so that the oceans don't like flood him. Knock him over. When the night comes, as he eats and drinks with the people, he looks up and notices there's clouds forming around the moon. Two businessmen try to uh, get Tony Stark to invest in Lunar City. I still prefer Moonbase Alpha as the name. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Which is a holiday resort on the moon, but tells them to use his financial problems he'd have to pass. I'm not sure what his financial problems were. Uh, no, well, because we, we don't really read Iron Man on a regular basis, well, do we? I have the first two hardbacks, but right. when those hardbacks ended, he's pretty much 99% brain dead and is lying half dead. 
But he got better, did he? No, I mean, Osborne stood on top of him, yeah. Well, did that lead into Dark Reign or something? That is Dark Reign, because this was World's Most Wanted. Right. Um, He actually had a feeling that the company stole an old Stark machine that could control weather and kill people. He does some research into the company before taking to the skies, where he bumps into Thor. Now, some background information... Do superheroes not have flight plans to stop that kind of thing from happening? Nah, I think Thor meant to bump into him. Oh, right. But, ever since the old issue of uh, the J. Michael Straczynski Thor, Tony and Thor haven't been too friendly towards each other. Why, you ask? Why? Well... <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, Dad. <laughs> yeah. In the Civil War, Tony Stark, Hank Pym and Reed Richards built a robo-Thor that went on a killing spree and killed Goliath. Oh, yeah, that was appalling. Was it, it, wasn't it a clone of Thor? It was a robot thing, yeah. Up in a... Claw! <laughs> Isn't that a thingy villain, Fantastic Four villain? Where he has a no, Claw's the an Avengers villain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Up on a Stark satellite, Tony brings Thor up to date with Blue Sky, a machine that could terraform planets. He also talks about the weapon, Winterman, that could de-terraform a planet and use the weather as a weapon. He also says that because Lunar Incorporated can't use it, it's bouncing light back at Earth and maybe altering the lunar orbit. They decide to go to the moon and do some stuff to it. At the moon? <laughs> some stuff? Yeah. Okay. So at the moon, Thor throws a hammer at a robot. And then Iron Man shoots another robot, and then the robots fight back but get smashed up because, you know, it's a superhero comic. It's a pretty cool fight, though. It is a pretty cool fight. Thor manages to shut down the systems, and because those rich dudes uh, from before renounce their homes on Earth, they leave the lunar city to float in space forever. Hoist by their own petard. Um, petard. Petard. Yeah. Hoist by their own picard. Um, I think yeah, that's great. I love John Jr. Always have. Um, back when he was a, a clone of his dad, and then some people said he went through his, his Frank Miller phase, which is fair comment, around the time of Daredevil Man Without Fear. Mm. He did go through a Frank Miller phase. But I think he's a much better artist on both a technical and abstract level than Miller, than Frank Miller, not Mark Miller, because I don't think Mark Miller can draw, as far as I know. Yeah, I think John Jr. is great. I really do. I mean, there's some places where some of his faces may be considered a bit wonky, but yeah. those people just aren't wrong. I love it. I think he's great. Uh, I like Thor has a beer with regular people on page four, panel three. I like that. Hercules was always the one who had fun with regular guys, and Thor was always a bit aloof. Mm. But I quite like this this new Thor who'll have a beer with the occupants of Midgard. Uh, page three, panel two. Love the frogs falling. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> Frog death. <laughs> death by frogs. Um, there's a part of me. That's quite horrified with the idea of terraforming the moon. Mm. But then there's another Tartimer that thinks, you know, how cool would it be to live on the moon? It would, actually. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? There's a brilliant line in this. The weather's always killed people. I just figured out how to make it kill whomever I wanted. <laughs> That's a great line. Tony Stark is snark. Tony yeah. Snark. Snark. <laughs> Very good. Um, I thought this was a really good free comic book there exactly what I want from Free Comic Book Day. It's not a bunch of reprints. It's not a prelude to a new upcoming story arc. It's not to be continued. It's a great book for kids to read. There are some things that aren't explained, like how all the people who live on Moonbase Alpha stop their bones from atrophying, and there's some subtle stuff about making a mess of Earth and then buggering off to the moon and doing the same thing. But on the whole, it's a good one-issue tale, well told. 
Good choice. Well, thank you. I liked it. Um, I like page one. What happens on page one? Thor oh, Thor just stuff. stood there looking cool. Thor just looks like Thor. Yes. Well, you know, um, if you're going to stand around and look like Thor, I would imagine the man best qualified for the job would be Thor. Not Chris What's-His-Face. No. no. There's quite a lot of funny gags going around at the minute. People going to the cinema saying, can I see Thor? <laughs> and people saying, actually, Thor's not on at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Can the moon? Can I have some popcorn and some tickets for Thor 2? Thor 2 was at the cinema ages ago. They're up to number 6 now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do amuse myself. (laughs) Do you have to think about that with yourself? I don't. don't. I I planned that. No, that just came off the top of my head. Right. I thought you'd been planning that for like weeks. Oh, yeah. Scripted for years. I'm just waiting 20 years for them to make a Thor film so I can make that joke. I believe you, actually. There's no way you could say something uh, that's funny. No, that's very unlikely. No. I probably stole it off your mum. Probably. Can the moon be terraformed in three years? Can it? Is, it you've seen Star Trek 2. According to myth, the Earth was created in six days. Now watch out. Here comes Genesis. We'll do it for you in six minutes. Okay. Same here. And even so, can it be built on for people to live on? Well, if they've terraformed the planet, then it's presumably been made habitable. I don't know what terraforming the moon would do to the Earth. Well, rain frogs. Well, obviously, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, I also think page eight looked great. Which was page eight? That one. Because this doesn't have any page numbers! It's that one. Oh, the one where Iron Man's shooting off. But I was slight flaw with it. If you look on the other page opposite, there's an advert for the new Avengers book, right? So the costume's quite different, even though it's the same one. Oh, Tony Stark's got like, Tony Stark's got more costume changes than a woman. <laughs> yeah. Have you read the old Stanley Iron Man's? I've read a couple of them. The armor changes like every issue. Yeah, he's he's just got stacks of armors. Um, I also like the line, the, well, the conversation because between Thor and Iron Man, it's like ever been to the moon. Yes. Yeah. Nobody likes a show off. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, very fun. There is some great dialogue in this. Yeah. There really is. Um, also, another one is like, uh, where they're in space, and Diamond's like, wait, I'm hearing my own voice because he's in my helmet, but how are you speaking? And Thor just goes, I am not really from around here, Tony. Yeah, he does that. He has that like a friend. That monologue then about, sometimes yeah. I'm reminded that Thor isn't really human. <laughs> That's quite cool. Very impressive. Fight like a warrior. But all in all, this was a really good uh, single story issue. Yeah. Especially seeing as it was free. Yeah. And it's autographed. It did, yeah. Can't get better than that. Well, mine was. But yours is autographed. No one else's. Yeah, nobody was. else's. Unless somebody else took a free comic book day boot to get autographed. Because that normally reeks of, I don't actually have any comics by this guy. Really? <laughs> so I'm going to get this free comic book autographed by him. Oh. I took it because everyone else was getting kick ass and stuff. Yeah, you took it because you thought it would be different to have a free comic book day autograph. I got that. I applaud you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I got a comic that was a freebie in some uh, album. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It was all, all in all good. Good. Um, after this, Iron Man then continued in Invincible Iron Man 25, which was also by Matt Fraction. Is he still writing Iron Man? Uh, Invincible Iron Man, yeah, I think right. so. Uh, and Thor, carried on in Thor 610. Which one was that one? I don't know. 
we don't get that. We don't get that. Is that not in the Straczynski omnibus? Oh, three, I think. The Michael Straczynski omnibus that you made me read because it's dead good. And it is dead good. Yeah. But it doesn't end! Well, it does, it just ends. Joe Straczynski can't be bothered hanging around and finishing his own story again. Those are shocker. Is that Doug Brathwaite's that? I have no idea. I but think what, he the did. The plug for Thor 610. Yeah, I think he did Thor. Because when I met him, everyone had Thor He could get cream for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, never going to get old, is it? Yes! <laughs> Probably already has. Yeah. A good ten minutes ago. Well. Anyway. That will be the end of this, the first episode of our second season. It had everything a season premiere could want, I think. Lots of mindless violence, big muscly men beating each other, and full frontal female nudity, and sex. I'd watch that show. In fact, I do. It's called Spartacus. Did any of, things, any of those things go on? Yes. Oh, in the comic? Yes. Right, you want me to panic for a minute, though, dude? What do you think we were doing? <laughs> well... You think I'm going to beat you with a big hammer? <laughs> Well, you were an Iron Man armor. Because <laughs> I ain't having sex with you. That would just be wrong. Thank God for that. Yeah. And on that note, uh, I have been Andrew Leyland. And I haven't. Excellent. <laughs> I applaud that. Uh, we'll see you next week. We don't know what we're doing next week yet, do we? No. We're going mouth to mouth at the minute, aren't we? Sorry, what? <laughs> oh, you're just shocking. We do, however, should we tease them? with what we plan to do for August. What do we plan to do for August? Hey Kids Comics Couch Potato. We're that sounds alright for me. We're yeah. going to pick... That's all I need to The know. current plan is we're going to pick, for the month of August, we're going to pick four episodes, or maybe even a film if we're going to be bothered, of um, a superhero-related TV show. And we're going to watch it, and then we're going to come back here and talk about how great it was, or how much it sucked. We haven't decided which episodes of anything we're doing yet, though, have we? No. But we'll, we'll, we'll give that some thought, and that can be our summer special. Sounds good. I think so. Mm-hmm. You think your mum will enjoy watching them with us? Probably not. <laughs> uh, maybe if we watch a Harley Quinn episode of Batman the Animated Series, she'd be down with that. Maybe. She likes Harley Quinn. Mm. Everybody likes Harley Quinn. You like what? And she likes Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as the Joker. Okay. A woman of intense taste. Intense. Yes. Anyway, we've already finished this show and we're still recording. So, you're not Andrew Leyland. No. And I'm not Michael Leyland. No. And this has been episode one of series two of Hey Kids Comics. We'll be back next week. Bye! Bye. Hey Kids Comics is And the Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do Production. Every Thursday, new episodes drop at aplayland.podomatic.com. You can join in the fun. We have a website where you can view the covers of the comics that we talk about, www.haykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com, and the show can be emailed directly at haykidscomics at virginmedia.com. If you're allergic to email, we also have a forum, www.forumforgeeksallthewood.com. We are also on Facebook. You can contact us using Hey Kids as the first name, Comics as the surname. The opinions of Michael and Andrew are the opinions of Andrew and Michael and no one else. Mainly because no one else would be dumb enough to have those opinions. The music and clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this, much to their chagrin. We hope you enjoyed this episode.